Hey, this is Matt Storm, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Check out my new album, Matt Storm's Joy. Hey, what's up? This is Scott Ian from Anthrax, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody. This is John Petrucci from Dream Theater. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Rob Caggiano from the band Volbeat, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. Welcome to episode 232 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean Company from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In this episode, we start things off with an interview with Bull Beats' Rob Caggiano. Rob fills us in on the recording of their latest album, as well as their upcoming tour. Before we get to that interview, though, here is a track from their album, Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies. This is the Grammy-nominated Room 24. everyone thanks for tuning in with us on the show we've got rob Caggiano from the band bull beat how you doing today rob i'm doing good man Hanging out here in new york city cool uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i want to take uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us um so let's uh go back to the beginning a little bit um when you first joined bull beat it's about right when you guys were recording the the newest album or the latest album, Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies. Um, right. Can you talk a little bit how you uh, joined the band? Because you started out uh, in a producer's role, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I first signed on as a producer. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that happened is I sat down with Michael out there in, in Copenhagen and, you know, just like in it, basically a pre-production meeting, just going over the new material, trying to figure out what was going to be on the record, what was going to be left off, and, Mm-hmm. all the new ideas that they had and, and uh, you know in that first meeting you know him and I started collaborating and we basically co-wrote uh, 
three or four songs, I think, in that first meeting. Um, so, I mean, right off the bat, the creative chemistry and the vibe and all that stuff was just, it was on. It was totally right. killer. Um, I, I think that initial meeting definitely set the stage for what was about to happen a few weeks later, a couple of weeks later. Um, you know, two weeks into it, or two and a half weeks, I guess, uh, that's when the guys asked me if I'd consider being a new guitar player. <laughs> Coincidentally, it was right before we started tracking guitars. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think you know that was that was what kind of uh, started that whole that whole thing. Um, just the fact that we had this creative vibe and this creative connection, um, and also you know we've been friends for a long time. Right. Uh, 2010, um, Volby took my other band, The Damn Things, on tour, mm-hmm. and that's um, that's when we all met and. Uh, it's actually when I first heard their music too for the first time. So, uh, and also on that tour, every night I would get up on stage with them to jam Angel Fuck, the Misfits song. Right. I'm a huge Misfits fan, and that was in their set. So, you know, Michael was like, you know, why don't you come up and play and play the song? And I was like, cool. <laughs> so nine to ten times on that tour, nine out of ten shows, I, I got up on stage with them. And it was the most fun to me the whole day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I already knew what it was like, what it felt like to play with, with Volby on stage. So when mm-hmm. you guys, uh, you know, if, if I joined the band as a new guitar player, I had that memory, you know, in my mind. I was like, wow, this, I remember jamming with these dudes, and it's that killer. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, had that familiarity uh, with, with already there, and, and I'm sure that, that helped. Now, when you approach a band, um, like, as a producer, um, is it different as because you've produced you know bands that you weren't a member of and then you know with Anthrax you know worship music and and whatnot and then sure. now with Bullbeat when you're in the band do you look at do you have to approach producing differently or is it uh, more difficult when you're actually a member of the band? No, I mean well that particular that particular scenario is something that I'm really familiar with and. and something that I've been doing for a long time. Right. You know, uh, starting, starting with anthrax, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, for me, it's, it's, it's just, it's making music. That's really all it is. And, and it's very, it is a different role and it's a different thing, uh, being the guitar player versus being the producer. But at the end of the day, you're still making music. So right. it all kind of fits together. Um, but for me, you know, with, with the Volbeat record, when, uh, you know, going into it, I was I had this vision and uh, you know things that I needed that I wanted to accomplish as a producer. Um, so just come, coming into into that record with that perspective, and then uh, shortly after that, now I'm also the new guitar player. So I had to change my perspective a bit and look at things a little bit differently because now it's not only about you know getting the best performances out of the band and making sure everything sounds killer and all that stuff, and now it's like. I'm the new guitar player. How mm-hmm. am I going to leave my stamp or make my mark on this record? So I had to think about that, and um, and I think it worked out perfectly. I think what I do on the guitar and my sound and everything, and my approach to, to music in general, I think works really, really well with with what Volby has already or had already. Yeah. So. Um, now this album, I think you know, I know here in the states is probably one of the Volby's. Uh, probably their best-selling album here in the states. Um, 
um, is Room 24. I want to talk a little bit about that. That was uh, nominated for a Grammy. Um, was that a surprise for you guys? I mean, yeah, it was. It's it's an honor to be nominated for a Grammy. Right. Um, we didn't expect it at all. I mean, and, you know, the crazy thing for me is I was nominated twice. Right, right. Netflix uh, was nominated as well. So <laughs> we were in the same category, which is pretty cool. My odds are really good. But right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you guys uh, worked with King Diamond on that. Um, how did that uh, come about? Well, the whole idea with that song was to have King Diamond, uh, you know, sing sing with Michael. And okay. So the, usually the song was very much tailored to, to King Diamond and, and his sound, uh, but also with the Volbeat sound as well. So it's kind of like, um, kind of like King Diamond via, via Volbeat. Right. <laughs> um, but to me, you know, physically it sounds like something that could have been on, you know, one of those old records like Abigail or Conspiracy, you mm-hmm. know, just uh, that, that spirit and that same, the same thing. And, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, that was the whole plan from the beginning. King already agreed to, to sing on the track, and um, that was the first song we, we kind of uh, started tracking because we wanted to send send it to him. Okay. So, you know, so he could do his vocals. Now, when you uh, so you sent the the tracks to him, and then he recorded it yeah. separately and sent it back. Were you yeah, able to? Sh- I'm sorry. He didn't come to Denmark while we were recording. He did it in Texas, where he lives. Okay, did, were you able to, you know, shape his performance at all, or did, he, did you just tell him, like, no. you know, go ahead and do what you want to do to it, or? We told him, do what you do, and he sent it to us, and it was actually absolutely perfect. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great song. Um, yeah. You guys just actually recently released a, a video for um, Lonesome Rider. Um, who came up with the concept for that video? Well, basically, uh, the whole idea was... Hey, can you guys make a video without the band? <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole premise and the whole, that's kind of what sparked right. you know, the, the making of that video. And, you know, it just kind of goes along with the, with the lyrics and storyline. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of refreshing, I think, to see more uh, concept-based videos because you always see a lot of the, the videos where it just seems like a live performance. Um, but, yeah. you know, the concept videos, you know, kind of, you know, back when Headbangers Ball and stuff was on, you saw a lot of that. It, it, it's it's nice to see, <clears throat> excuse me, bands still doing that. Right, right. Um, so you're about to start a tour uh, with uh, Trivium in, in Digital Summer. Um can you talk a little bit about the upcoming tour? Yeah, we're very much excited about that tour. Um, it's going to be good to get back back to the U.S. Uh, we just got back from Australia and Japan, and that was killer. Right. Uh, yeah, we're just really excited about about the upcoming tour. The shows I think are going to be killer. Trivium is a great band. Um, not totally familiar with the with Digital Summer yet, but I will be. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, yes, you will. Um, I know we're looking forward to uh, seeing that here in Pittsburgh. I know when when the show was announced here in Pittsburgh, it was you know, a lot of the social media boards and stuff were uh, uh, you know lighting up. Uh, so I know we're we're excited to see you here. Now after this tour, and this tour runs through May. Uh, what do you have going on for the summer? Uh, we're doing more European festivals, more European shows. Um, yeah, it's kind of more of the same. We're going to be we're going to be taking this as far as we can take it. You know, this whole year is blocked out for touring, so 
Is it uh, too early to start thinking about the next record, or is that, you know, you just want to focus on the tour? Uh, it's too early right now. We're not, we're in touring mode. You know, we haven't started thinking about new material yet, but uh, probably but by the end of the year, I'd say. Okay. Um, right now, I'm in the middle of producing uh, the Canadian Jim Brewer's record. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, that was the thing I got on my plate. <laughs> Uh, so you do have time to, to produce other bands and stuff. You know, is there any band that you absolutely, you know, what would be your dream producing job? Uh, sure. <laughs> Metallica. 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 <laughs> um, cool, cool. Yeah, I guess. And then you had, you know, you had the, you know, opportunity to tour with Metallica for the Big Four the big four i'm sure that was uh, a lot of fun um but um i don't want to take up too much more of your time i want to thank you for coming on i know we're looking forward to, to hearing you and thank you know thank you for talking to us about the album and uh it's a great album and uh i really enjoy listening to it um so again you know good luck on the tour coming up and we will uh, see you here in pittsburgh thank you very much see you soon man all right thanks That was Lonesome Rider off of Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies. I'd like to thank Rob for taking the time to talk to us. You can catch Volbeat out on tour right now. They'll be hitting Pittsburgh April 30th at Stage AE, along with Trivium in Digital Summer. Up next on the show, we have an interview with drummer Matt Sorum. You may remember Matt from bands like Guns N' Roses and The Cult. Well, Matt recently released a solo album called Stratosphere under the band name Matt Sorum's Fierce Joy. This interview originally appeared on GuitarWorld.com, and we're very happy to bring it to you now. So without any further ado, here's Matt Sorum. And I say welcome to the show! Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show drummer extraordinaire Matt Sorum. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good, John. Fantastic. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. You've got um, a pretty interesting new record on the way out. Um, Matt Storm's Fierce Joy. The album's called Stratosphere. Do you want to talk a little bit about how this collection of songs kind of came together and, and some of the sounds? You know, this isn't quite 
maybe what people are used to hearing from a Matt Sorum record, where, where these songs kind of came from conceptually? Yeah, well, this is quite a different thing for me because I'm I'm singing and playing guitar and piano on the album. I'm, I only play drums on one track. So I, I've always been a guitar player. I've always been a singer. I've played piano since I was a little kid. So I've been writing these songs and just sort of waiting for the right time to put it out and do it. And I just felt like, you know, where I'm at with my life now and kind of where I'm, what I'm feeling about and things that are going on around me, it's kind of naturally happened, you know. And mm -hmm. I wrote this introspective, introspective record as well as, you know, outside issues that I'm feeling. And my voice sort of sat in a certain place, so I, I felt that the music needed to play a certain way and and it really it really was an organic process you know and yeah like i said i've been working on the songs for quite a few years yeah so I'm, I'm very happy with it and it's just it's quite a different album for, for me though yeah but when listening to it it would say it's very comfortable it doesn't sound like you're trying to force your voice into you know a death metal song or something like that. It, it almost works. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, you know, it, it kind of reminded me, you know, I was listening to it and it was kind of like, this has a little bit of like, you know, Keith Richards sort of uh, to your voice. And then, you know, even some of the songs reminded me of a band from, you know, I think it was from the 90s called The Church, if you remember them. And I was like, this is kind of an interesting oh, yeah. collection of songs. Um, do you, when you, yeah. when you yeah, write, like I'm sorry. When yeah, you, I like The Church. I like, you know, I, I love Tom Petty, I love Tony Mitchell, Bowie, you know, and uh, Nick Cave, I love Mark Wanigan. There's a lot of styles that I kind of, you know, different music that I listen to besides rock and roll, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, and, and you can tell that it, you know, it comes off, it's sounding very authentic in the record. Um, when you when you write, were any of these co-written by anybody, or is this all, you know, 100% your compositions on the record? I wrote about half the record by myself, and then I collaborated with another friend of mine that um, I've written with for quite a few years, and um, we collaborated on a few songs, like certain chord structures and stuff and things that, you know, maybe it wasn't in my wheelhouse, like he helped me with that kind of stuff, sure. and, you know, so yeah, there was a little bit of collaboration, but most of the initial ideas, everything started with me, and I wanted it to be that way. I had melodies and chord changes and just putting the song together a lot of times it's cool to have a collaborator you know sure but uh there's a good portion of the album i wrote completely by myself too mm -hmm. as far as lyrical ideas i mean you can tell you've got you know quite a bit of, of influences from current events and things like that anything particular you were trying to to convey with the lyrics of the album yeah i mean you know i you know, I was telling uh, uh, some friends that were listening to the record, you know, they were like, wow, Matt, you know, this is, some of this stuff's pretty heavy, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of what I, you know, in rock and roll, the rock and roll bands I've been in, I mean, you know, we sing about different things. We sing about current events. We sing about personal things, tragedy in life, loss, you know, love, all that stuff. And for me, this is, you know... A little bit of all that, mm. but, you know, songs like The Sea is really about my spiritual awakening, you know. Um, I guess we could talk about it for people like Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know. Mm -hmm. I struggled with drugs and alcohol for many years, and luckily I was able to 
to get clean about seven years ago. And, mm-hmm. and that song is really about me having a spiritual awakening and, you know, and waking up and kind of feeling, you know, life's, life's not that bad, you know. I, I, and I wrote that song uh, to open the album. I felt that was right. And then um, songs like Lady the Stone are really about my take on what's going on with global warming and the planet. And, mm-hmm. Uh, there's songs about family. What Ziggy says is everyone in the lyrics of that song are, is members of my family. Sure. And, uh, sure. and really, at it getting a little bit older, I think we probably all feel the same way, but as you get a little bit older, you, you don't take your family for granted as much. And you kind of, you know, you look at it like, oh, you know, this is, these are the people that are always going to be with me. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I, uh, I wrote that song about that, and then um, uh, Josephine is actually about my grandmother. Okay. Um, she's 101. I wow. wrote a love story about between her and my grandfather. Awesome. Um, yeah. Um, I love a, an artist named Nick Drake, and I wrote a song about him in a romantic way. That uh, his music is just romantic, and and I love his stuff if you ever get a chance to check him out he's he's an artist that's that sort of was underground for a lot of years he he actually passed away in the late 60s mm-hmm. but i loved his music and i and i thought i'd write this sort of like love story uh about his music and then having a relationship that is meaningful um so yeah a lot of the lyrics were just sort of stuff that naturally came to me and and what I was feeling, you know, as, mm-hmm. as as a present, being a real present person, you know, being, yeah. feeling everything around me that's going on. Yeah, and you can tell one of the, the kind of the cool things, you, you know, when you listen to a, to a record like this is that you can tell this wasn't, you know, something pushed by a label. You know, you can tell it's very organic where the material came from, where the inspirations come from, which makes it very interesting to listen to. Um, do you do you plan on doing any kind of touring with this with this music at all? Yeah, I'm I've actually I'm working on that today. I I started, you know, making plans and um, you know, it's a lot harder for a new artist. I would consider myself not a completely new artist, but I am a new artist in the right that I'm up front. This is a new project, so it's a little harder for me to just go out and say, "Hey, book a tour," you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I got to figure out I have to figure out interesting ways to help subsidize that and get, you know, I've got to pay my band members and it's yeah. harder these days to do do that kind of stuff, but you know we're going to get the record rolling, and luckily I'm able to get press from gentlemen like yourself, and, sure. you know, get the word out. Hopefully, people will gravitate towards the album for the music's sake. Maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some of my old fans will like it, some won't, some will. We'll find new fans, which will be great. So, I'm really excited about just you know that's the beauty of the modern world and social media and the podcasts and all the stuff that we can do. So, like you said, I did the record on my own. I'm releasing it on my own. It's, it's, you know, it's a whole new paradigm. So yeah, exciting time. Yeah. I mean, when you look back through your resume, I mean, you kind of went, you know, from zero to 60 almost with, you know, working with Tori Amos and then, um, you know, with a cult and, you know, it's been kind of in high gear for many, many years. So this is kind of a, you know, kind of a new thing to, t- you know, take something from ground zero. So it's got to be kind of cool. Uh, 
you know, as an artist to kind of do that. Um, can I just ask yeah. Keith real, real quick? Yeah, and like you said, you know, listen, yeah, listening to the record, you know, I had no pressure to do anything. Mm-hmm. No one told me, hey, Matt, you got to make a rock record. Matt, you got to, you know, I'm just like, hey, here, here's the record. You know, this is what I came up with. Yeah. That's very freeing, you know, that's a real, yeah. Yeah, it's on, it it has a, a sincerity to it that it it wasn't. I mean, if you had come out and done something that sounded, you know, like you know, beyond good and evil, or, or you know, something that you had done already, you know, people would just say he's kind of resting on his laurels, living off of you know, name he's made for himself, you know, with the, with the hit records. But to go back as an artist and and just do what comes naturally, you know, it speaks volumes, and I, I think that's that's a great takeaway from this collection of music. Um. Can I ask, as, as far as gear-wise, what, what kind of guitars you're using with, when you play? Obviously, you're doing, I would assume it's all acoustic. Well, I'll tell you, when I made this record, I was very, uh, very careful about the positions I chose. And um, the guitar player, Randy Ray Mitchell, that played on the guitar on the, mm. the guitar on the album, the first thing I said to him was, uh, do you own a Rickenbacker 370? And he said, "Yes, I do. I own I own a six, I own a six string and a twelve string, which was the famous George Harrison guitar." Uh-huh. And then um, I said, "Do you have a Do you have a three thirty five Gibson?" He said, "Yes, I do." And I said, "That's good." I said, "Do you have any crutches?" He says, <laughs> "He says, yeah, I got a country gentleman." I said, "Perfect." So I was very particular about the instruments that were on this record. I don't think I don't think there's really any Les Paul on any tracks. I got Mainly like kind of like hollow body, semi hollow body guitars, sure. Rickenbackers. I used uh, I bought a I bought a 1970 Martin okay. acoustic that I play. I, I love Martin guitars. Uh, it's a the D41, and I have a Gibson J45 okay. acoustic that I play, and then. I also play Gretsch guitars, which I play. I played electric on a few, but I have a White Falcon. Okay. And I have. I own the '59 Country Gentleman reissue, which is the, the Chet Atkins. And I'm going to be playing that live. I love that guitar. It's incredible. Yeah. It's uh, and then um, live, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play like. Probably my Gretsch 59, my my uh, my White Falcon through my Box AC30. I've mm-hmm. got a box. I got the new I got the new hand wired AC30, which is an incredible amp. And I can kind of make it jangle more, like an acoustic. Mm-hmm. Like I clean it up, and I and I I can strum on the hollow body more like an acoustic and get a clean tone. And it's a really cool sound. You know, yeah. it's very birds kind of. Yeah. Uh, early Beatles, and uh, my guitar player will be playing. We both play through boxes, okay, and uh, get a, get a really cool organic vibe. You know, I mean, when I when I was recording the album, I have my own recording studio. And for a drummer, I've got, I mean, guitar players come in and they're like, oh my god! I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a collection of amp. I got a collection of amplifiers like you wouldn't believe. I've I've started collecting uh, a lot of old amps. I've got a couple okay. old silver tones. I've got a couple of magnetone amps, which are great. I've got uh, I got quite a big collection of old Ampegs from the '60s. Sure. So I have a I have a Gemini 
uh, jet and a uh, uh, a reverb rocket. Okay. And then I'm, of course I got a couple of Fender amps. I got a Fender Twin. Mm-hmm. I got a Fender Bassman. And I got a few old Marshalls. I got a 50 watt uh, 70s Marshall. A lot of cool stuff for guitar players to come in here and mess around with. And then, uh, you know, though most of the album was very organic. The keyboards were all B3, okay. uh, Wurlitzer, you know, Mini Moog. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bass player, the bass player used a lot of really cool old basses. He's he's great. Paul Hill, he, he used the old Guild bass from the '70s, flat round strings, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fretless bass, uh, old fretless jazz precision. Uh, and uh, we used a Ampeg SVT and a, and a flip top for the bass rig. So I was very cool, you know. I learned, very, I just still listen to old seventy. I listen to old seventies records, and I'm like, why is this stuff so cool? Yeah, you nailed it. I feel yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> so I really yeah. treated my album in that kind of like way. You know, we recorded most of it live, mm-hmm. and uh, the drums, even the drums on the album, are, are old Gretches and old. You know, I used my old my old sixties Gretsch kit. Okay. And uh, Mike did old school, so. So you got a very vintage. A lot of analog gear. I didn't do it. I didn't do it on a computer. I recorded to an old '70s Trident board, mixed it on a, you know, trying to make it as old school as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Any any chance you might, you know, if things sell well enough, consider issuing it on vinyl? Just kind of complete the circle. Yeah, we're already talking about that. I I, I wanted to be on vinyl. I hope that we can do that. We just got to deal with Best Buy. Awesome. So the album will be physical. We can pick it up at Best Buy March 11th. Great, great. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on a special edition of vinyl. And uh, there's gonna be a pre-release on iTunes on February 18th, where you'll get a free download of the C with the pre-order. Cool. So yeah. Awesome. It's exciting. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Can I just ask you real briefly what's going on with the Kings of Chaos and what you guys have in store? Anything there? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm I'm working on that for the summer. I'm going to try to do some touring around that, and you know, got some really great people that want to come on board. Like it's going to kind of blow your mind. I mean, just did a couple of really cool stuff in America, Africa, and stuff. You'll see. Uh, Glenn Hughes, one of my favorite singers in Deep Purple, and um, yeah. Joe Elliott, Evans on guitar from Billy Idol. Just a great mishmash guy. I look at it. I call it a celebration of rock and roll. And we get out there and we play our loud. People yeah. are fun to hear. It's like hit after after hit. So that's got to be I've got plans to do some stuff in summer and DVD, all kinds of cool stuff. So good stuff. Awesome, Matt. Well, I want to I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to do this. It's been a pleasure. Again, the new record Stratosphere is going to be coming out. You mentioned it's going to be on iTunes, and then we can get it at Best Buy for physical, and then we can hold that and hope we can get a vinyl copy as well. So, thank you so much for doing the show, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate your time. 
Okay, I'd like to thank Matt for taking the time to talk to us. That about wraps up episode 232, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And of course, check out our website, ironcityrocks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. (laughs) 